no matter what was going on, they knew that God had already provided for them. But what did they do? Every challenge they came to, what did they do? Grumbled and complained. Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt. Why didn't you let us in Egypt? You know, do you, how do you think God feels about that? <laughs> when we grumble and we complain. And let me tell you, I love to be real. And I believe in realness. But I also believe that we get it out. And then we hand it over to the Lord, and then we repent of being grumbling and complaining. Moses let them know that grumbling was against God. That's the whole thing. Grumbling was against God. They continually heard the spirit of fear knocking on the door, and they answered it. They answered it. And I believe the fear of the unknown, the worry and anxiety can really stir negativity in our minds that goes into the seat of our emotions. What's that? Our heart. So let's talk about the soul, which is the mind, will, and the emotions. First of all, what was in their mind? What kind of a picture of God did the Israelites paint when they were there worshiping the golden calf? Moses hadn't come down yet. He had been gone for 40 days, and here they are like, oh, let's, let's get an idol together so we can worship. What kind of a picture did they paint in their minds about God? Well, one day a little girl was painting a picture, and someone asked her what she was painting, and she said, God. The other person said, but no one knows what God looks like. And she said, they will when I'm finished. Each one paints a picture of God in our minds. For many years, I painted a picture of God wearing an army drill sergeant's uniform, holding a clipboard, keeping a record of all my sins. Actually, this picture was already painted for me from my childhood, and it caused a very unhealthy fear of God and other people. I used to love to watch, you ever watch those artists, you know, that they start with their brushes and they start painting, you know, and it doesn't look like it's gonna amount to anything, does it? But all of a sudden he fills in all those different areas and oh, the beautiful colors and it brings character to it. And it looks like a work of art, doesn't it? Finally, when the picture is finished, it becomes what? A masterpiece. And it's an expression of the artist. Well, as I began a relationship with my father, God, our hearts connected, and I started to hear his voice over the enemy. You want to hear his voice over the enemy? You don't want to hear that enemy voice. You tell him to be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> Eventually, I tore up that distorted picture of God. And if you've got a distorted picture of God, you need to tear it up. If you see him and you are afraid of him and you see him as a demanding drill sergeant like I did, then he's not like that. This morning, we were enfolded in his love. That's who God is. He loves us with an everlasting love and promises never to leave us and never forsake us. 
And every year I have more and more of a beautiful picture of God in my mind and in my heart. The heart is the central or the inner part, and it's the seat of emotions where the deepest and the sincerest feelings are located and we are most vulnerable to. It is uh, one's inmost thoughts or feelings such as tenderness, affection, love, and courage. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Luke 21.34-36 says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Be careful. So he's warning us, be careful. Because why? Because the enemy's going to come in and he's going to try to get us down. Whatever situation comes up, he's going to try to get us down. But you know what? The Bible says that God is searching for somebody. His eyes are moving to and fro around the earth and he's searching for somebody to show himself strong. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show himself strong to us. And if we listen to the enemy's voice and we are just so worked up and we're not focusing on God, what happens is it comes unexpectedly to us and traps us because that's what the enemy wants to do. So when we guard something, we watch over, we care for, we protect, control, in other words, we are to protect and prevent and control what our inmost thoughts are, our moods, our words, and our actions. Moods, words, and actions. Now, I'm not saying you can't get up in the morning and have a bad mood, but let's get over it. <laughs> let's not continue it. Get your coffee in, get going, you know, and just praise God that you're here. Praise God that he is... He is alive in you. We have so much to be thankful for. And Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10 says, The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. It's a puzzle that no one can figure out. But who figures it out? But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. He's searching our hearts. And he examines our mind. And I get to the heart of the human. He gets to your heart. I get to the root of things. Sometimes, many times, we have maybe picked up something from childhood. It's been so down in there that God has to go and get it rooted up. I always say, Lord, root out what needs to be rooted out. Heal what needs to be healed and restore in me what needs to be restored. Because I don't know my heart like God does. God does. But it says no one can figure it out. No one can figure it out. God is the only one who searches and he examines the heart and mind. Now, we can look at somebody and we can try to examine them. Nobody does that, right? <laughs> but we can look at them and say, yeah, I know what's going on with them. But if it's not from the Holy Spirit and it's just your flesh... 
because maybe you're upset, maybe they said something insensitive, or maybe they're moody, or whatever's going on. You don't know what's going on with them in their heart, but God does. He searches the heart. And Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of the salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Now we got the Holy Spirit in us, but it may not be, we may have a problem. We may be really upset and you can be upset with God. I know people that have been mad at God for years and years and years, and I wonder if some of that hatred that we're experiencing and hearing all around us, I wonder, are they mad at God? Did they believe in God at one time and he didn't do what they wanted? We don't always get what we want, do we? Uh Uh-uh. But God says that he's going to do even better because all things work together for God. To God, yeah. <laughs> All things work together for good to those that love the Lord and those that are called according to his purpose. That's our God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart that looks to him when troubles crush us and we plead for mercy when we've committed sin. But when you get hard, it becomes difficult to guard your heart, doesn't it? You know, I I know a person right now that's really having a hard time, really hard time. I woke up with words this morning telling me that she is so down and so discouraged and so upset. But no matter what you're going through, when you accept him into your heart, you are his and he is our savior. But how can we protect and control our inmost thoughts our moods, our words, and actions, especially when we don't realize there's a problem or continue to justify our actions. I've heard some people say, oh, that's just the way I am. (laughs) Ever hear anybody say that? Oh, that's just the way I am. You just get over it, you know. Uh, This is the way it's going to be, and I'm not changing. (laughs) Ever hear that? Or I'm too old to change now. I remember when my mother wanted to change some things after they had moved out of their house and into the cottage. And my dad said, if you wanted to change me, you should have done it years ago. <laughs> now it's like it's too late. <laughs> you know? Or you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> or it's the other person's fault, not mine. You never take any Nothing. It's like it's all their fault. No responsibility on you. Mm -mm, No, they did it. Well, Psalms 139.23 says, Search my heart, O God. Search, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me. Do you want to pray that? That should be a prayer. Test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts. Anxious? Sometimes we have thoughts, and we don't know those thoughts are going on. And what happens? We entertain them, and we're not even realizing it because it's going over and over and over in our mind. So we have to allow God to search our heart, reveal these issues that are in our heart, and when we do this, 
You're going to be sometimes shocked when he tells you something, when he shows you. It's like, me? <laughs> I have that? It can shock you. But God is revealing it for your good. So I can tell you, as I began to pray this daily, God reveals areas in my heart that needed to be healed. Always. You know, sometimes I've heard some people say, you know what, Jenny? When is this going to end, all this healing? Well, <laughs> get ready, because until Jesus comes, there's going to be things that need healed inside of us. Now, we're getting more healed and more healed and more healed, but we're never going to arrive. And the thing of it is, we go into different seasons and we have different things in our life and we have different experiences. The message that was burning in my heart, that actually God really burned it in my heart in 2002, is it's time to heal the church, to heal the world. And now, look where we are at. That's why I believe the Lord is saying this church is for healing and transformation. Because it's time. It's time to get healed. God wants to use his children and he wants to help. He wants help to bring in the harvest. And I believe it's harvest time. The church is full of wounded children. God is our father and he wants to heal us so that we can truly know who he is and who we are in him and who he is in and through us. In the midst of all this pain and suffering in our life, God showed me that he has definitely spread a table in the wilderness of our life. You know, that was a question that the Israelites asked. Can God really spread a table in the midst of the wilderness? Well, the wilderness that we're going through, we don't know what's ahead. We don't know. And I hear many people, they're afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. You know, how am I going to make it? What are we going to do? And that's kind of a wilderness that we're in. We don't know. But to hold on to fear and answer that door, we can't do that. Remember, I said fear is a scam from the enemy. And that's do you answer scams on your phone? The other day, I told the person I didn't know who they were, and I found out that I shouldn't have said that because they really were the one they said they were. I told Fred I have to call them on Monday and apologize. It was a company, you know, but I really didn't, you know, I said, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, and I... <laughs> click the phone because there's so many scammers out there and you don't know who's real and who isn't but satan is a scammer <laughs> the spirit of fear is a scam he wants to take his children down he wants to take god's children down that's what he wants to do god has given us many gifts and he will give us more gifts, even in the midst of suffering, the greatest gift that we have is him and his love for us. Just to be enfolded in his love. I remember when I was going through a divorce in my first marriage, I didn't have anything else to do. 
I sat and I worshiped God. I didn't know what to say because I was tired of crying all the time, but I wanted to sit and I just worshiped him. I just praised him. And if you can't get into a prayer, just sit and worship him and praise him. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I want to believe, but help my unbelief. Help me. No matter what you're going through, when you've accepted him into your heart, you are his and he is your savior. And hold on to that. That no matter what you're going through, you are his and he is your savior. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not going to bow to the king. So what did they do? They threw him in a fiery furnace. But think about that. It was so hot that the guy that was tending the furnace, he ended up dying. <coughs> Excuse me. But the ones in the furnace had a fourth one. And that was Jesus. He was right in there with them. No matter what fiery furnace you're going through, Jesus is with us. <coughs> Even when you're coughing. Excuse me. <coughs> Goodness. I've never done this. <coughs> wow. Somebody else would <coughs> want to say something? We're going to pray for you. <coughs> I don't have anything. <coughs> Goodness sakes. My eyes are watering. We are all in a prayer of agreement that that coughing has to go in Jesus' name and not return and continue to interfere this service today. Top of her head and her throat. It all goes. Knock it off, Satan. We love you and praise you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's all gone. All gone. My Thank you. Well, I've never had that in six years. <laughs> never had that. Pardon me? That's the enemy trying to stop you from preaching. So. We're going to talk about an issue of the heart that many people are dealing with. And let me share this with you first. I believe this is what the Lord laid on my heart to tell you all. Whatever has been torn down in your life, God is beginning a reconstruction in your heart today. So just say, I receive that. I receive that in Jesus' name. 
When my husband and I were first preparing to go to South Carolina, we tried to have all the details worked out, mainly the distance, uh, the hours that it takes to get there. You know, you got to work everything out, the scenery, you know, what, what route to take, the weather, you got to look at the weather, clothing, and of course, you know, Fred always says you pack too much. <laughs> But you gotta have all these different cloaks because you don't know exactly how it's all gonna be. So, and then money needed for the trip, right? Okay. Well, sometimes we've been traveling and all of a sudden we see signs of construction. Do you like that? No. Construction. Uh, we see signs that say slow, stop, yield, detour, roadblock. Oh, they're fun. Work area. That's fun too, isn't it? Rough road and dead end. That's not fun, is it? And I don't know about you, but it really kind of tries my patience. <laughs> if I don't know the area, especially. And sometimes these signs happen in our life. We could be going <clears throat> along day to day with everything the same and all of a sudden, a loved one dies or our spouse leaves us, or we're in an accident, or we develop a life-threatening disease, how do we react when our life slows to a halt and does a complete change? This is what happened to us in 2020. Overnight, our life changed. What kind of an attitude do you have? when you're going through something like that? <clears throat> will you see God in this situation to help you? Or will you keep your eyes focused on the situation? See, this is where we have got to learn to get our eyes off the people, get our eyes off the situation, and keep our eyes focused on him. And when we do that, we wait with great expect expectation of what he's going to do. When I travel on a road that has just been patched but not torn up and rebuilt, it's not the same. You ever ride a road that's just got a patch here and there and it's not all torn up? Well, when a road is completely built and everything is all smooth, it's, it's great to travel on that road, isn't it? <clears throat> when we experience these signs in our life, the best thing is to let God do the tearing down so he can build up. And I, I know that six years ago, I heard the Lord say, <clears throat> the foundation has been torn down. Now I've got to build it back up. But you see, when, he, when a foundation is torn down, and everything has to get built up, it's going to be better. And that's what happens in our hearts. God wants to tear down all, uh, all that. Uh, he wants to rebuild all of that that's been torn down because it's been torn down by the issues of life, by the pain and the sorrow and the things that we go through. That's what has happened to us. God wants to do a reconstruction. And you see, that's, I believe, he wanted to do that with the Israelites. He wanted to reconstruct their heart because think about that. They were under hard slavery for all those years. Generation after generation after generation saw that. 
And yet, God wanted to build them up. He wanted them to learn how to trust him. And that's where we're at today. He wants us to learn how to trust him. That no matter what we go through, no matter what hardship we're in, that we learn to trust him. <clears throat> so what was in the Israelites' heart? I believe it was fear of the unknown. We as human beings, we'd like to know everything. <laughs> we'd like to know what we're going to do tomorrow. I remember I used to have this calendar, and I had it all worked out exactly what I was going to do. And nobody better mess with my schedule. <laughs> and then God started messing with my schedule. And he started showing me, no, this isn't what I want you to do that day. I have something else planned for that day. I had to learn that. And I had to trust because I began to hear his voice. And we must hear his voice. We don't appreciate when something suddenly comes that we haven't expected, do we? It's like, well, I didn't think about that. But I want you to get this picture in your mind. God isn't standing there saying, gee whiz, I didn't know this was going to happen. Is he? No, he's not. He's looking at... I've already got it worked out. It's okay. Trust me, child. You're going to get through this because I'm taking you through this. We went out of it. But he says, I'm going to take you through it. So, on Saturday, some of you know that um, we had a problem with our washing machine overflowing, which we thought was the hose. But it was not. And so, in the midst of that, we had water in our back room and in our bathroom downstairs and then in a part of our family room. And so, Fred got out his uh, dry vac and started working with that and I started working with the other one and we started working at it. However, <clears throat> we needed some more help and my brother-in-law, I got, was able to get a hold of him, and he came up, and he discovered that it wasn't a hose that was broken. It was the pipe underneath the sink in the bathroom. And <clears throat> I'm bringing this out because that evening, after Gary left, I sat with the Lord, and... <clears throat> I felt his presence. <clears throat> I felt his presence so strong on me. And then right after that, I opened up my phone and it said, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. And I just knew somehow he's going to work this out. I don't know how he's going to work it out, but he's going to work this out. And so step Two was, you know, there was just one thing after another that had to be done. And finally, we were able to get a hold of this company that came in Friday, dug up the yard, found that the pipe was breaking apart, and it was uh, like cracking. 
so the whole pipe had to be replaced in the sewer. But God. And then they were supposed to come on Thursday, and I had my quiet time, and this is what he said to me. My precious daughter, do not fear or be anxious about this situation. Now, he, he calls me precious. He calls you precious. And I remember the first time he started calling me precious, I didn't feel like I was very precious. But he called me precious. Do not fear or be anxious about this situation. You will see very soon what to do and will have the help needed. And he said, I knew this would take place. Now, could he have stopped it? Could he got down there and fixed that pipe miraculously? He didn't choose to do that. He didn't do anything he wants to do. And he said, I have everyone all lined up. You will receive many blessings in this, for I will show myself strong. <clears throat> there is no problem too big or too small, for I am your God who loves you and I will always care for you. Take a hold of this. I know you feel alone, but I have great plans for you, my precious. I'm gonna give you what I told him. I said, God, I don't feel very precious. <laughs> and it seemed like one thing after another was taking place in my family. But I handed it all over and I felt his peace. That song that we had earlier, lay it down, lay it down at the feet of Jesus. That's what we must learn to do. I believe it's crucial in our life to learn to really know how to lay it down. Long story short, the carpets are almost dry. I got Joyce coming in to help me clean on Tuesday, praise God. And I'm going to get somebody in to shampoo the carpets. God is good. See, we... On Wednesday, I forgot this, I opened up my phone because the company had called and said they were coming on Friday now instead of Thursday because it was going to rain. And you know what was on my phone? Stop stressing. God has worked it all out. Stand back and watch what he's going to do. Now, God had already told me not to do that. But I needed to be reminded. Do you need to be reminded? God is so merciful and so patient with us, isn't he? So he reminded me. And he wants to remind you all this morning to stop stressing, to stop worrying, stop being anxious. You see, if he could only have been able to really have that relationship with the Israelites. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. And it's that relationship with him and knowing him that makes a difference in our life. That's what God wants to see in all of us. And maybe you're going through a trial and you're wondering, where is God? The question is, <clears throat> are you going through an affliction that has placed you into a restriction? 
Are you sitting in a dark room of negativity and catering to your flesh? Do you dare to take God at his word and all your circumstances in, his, in your life? Are you taking him at his word and using that word, knowing that he has given you word over your circumstances, that nothing is impossible for him, nothing is too difficult for him? Do you really know that God will spread out a table for you in the midst of your wilderness? What picture of God is painted in your mind? So I want you to just think about that this morning. How do you see him? Will you allow God to search your heart so he can reveal anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, selfishness, worry, fear, resentment, rejection, or jealousy? God is spreading out his table for you in the midst of your wilderness of pain and suffering. Will you join him on his blanket of love? That's where he wants you. He wants you to join him. Is there anything on earth that is worth not joining him in heaven for all eternity? And I know that there are ones that think, oh, I've done too much. There's no way that God is going to accept me. God's calling him. God is calling people, many, many, many people. Are you answering that call? What is God saying to each one of you? Do you know your calling? Do you know your purpose? We're not here for us. We are here for such, for a, such a time as this. We are here for him. And Father, we just um, thank you. <clears throat> and first of all, thank you that you helped me to get through this this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. You were good, and you were so merciful. Thank you, Lord, that nothing is too difficult for you, and nothing is impossible for you. We thank you and praise you. You are worthy, God, worthy of all praise and honor. And we thank you that you are our rear guard to protect us, that the angel of the Lord is encamped around us, that you have pitched a tent and you are resting with us. We thank you, Lord, that you've already walked our journey, that you're way ahead of us. And most of all, we thank you that we have accepted you into our heart. You are within us. And I speak favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings, mercy upon mercy, and grace upon grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.